One of the players in fantasy that I'm looking to buy this year is Joe Mixon. Buyer beware. I have been in love with this guy's talent since he came out of Oklahoma. I thought that he was an absolute stud, and he reminds me a lot of a prime Le'Veon Bell. Hey everybody, welcome to Props and Hops, a betting and beer podcast powered by Dimers.com and part of Blue Wire Hustle. I'm Matt Landis and this week's episode is part two of my conversation with the professional better known as the Hitman. We resume our conversation by diving into fantasy football. With the Hitman being a player personnel expert, he has some good insight into players he's higher on and lower on than the market. And then we switch gears getting into the NBA, including how he juggles the NBA with his work in the NFL and the importance of balance across all walks of life. We also touch on the polarizing topic that is the pick-selling industry, and we get a refreshingly honest point of view from the hitman as a pick-seller himself. To wrap things up, the hitman shares his advice to aspiring sports bettors and how networking is crucial to long-term success and happiness. Quick heads up, if you missed part one, you can find it in the Props and Hops feed is episode 49, which was released last week. We touched on props and how they can often be the biggest edge available to us as sports bettors, and we also looked at the NFL on a bit of a macro level, although somehow we touched on every team in the NFC North, including two bets the Hitman thinks are still worth making when it comes to regular season win totals. One quick housekeeping note, if you'd be interested in a real-time betting conversation with me and the Dimers.com community, join us on Discord for free. I've dropped a link in the show notes. And now, enjoy part two of my conversation with professional better, The Hitman. I'd love to also talk some fantasy with you because... I don't feel like we get a lot of that with really sharp bettors. A lot of people might be particularly sharp when it comes to betting football or playing fantasy. There, there doesn't seem to be a ton of crossover. I mean, these are not the same, you know, traditional bets, but there's a lot of overlap with player props. Plus, it's just a fun opportunity to possibly make more money and increase your enjoyment throughout the season. So some listeners may recall, I had a friend in fantasy football pro Christopher Harris on episode 30 of this show back in February, planning to bring him back when the draft season heats up. But when it comes to how you approach fantasy, what would you say your process typically looks like to prepare for a season? And with where you are right now, are there any players who you might be higher on or lower on than the market if you're looking at something like ADP, if that has any value as we record this in mid-June? Well, a lot of my fantasy is I obviously I do my own work, but I, I try to find a network of people that I trust their work also, and I'll read a lot of their stuff, and sometimes I'll disagree with it, and a lot of times I will agree with it, and it just makes me smarter to, to find – there's a lot of good fantasy guys out there, and they don't get a lot of credit that they deserve, but they, they really have a lot of knowledge. They're very knowledgeable and they have a lot of good insights. And one of the places that I love to check out is Established to Run, their site. They do an excellent job with anything fantasy related. And um, yeah, it's kind of, I'm just kind of re- reading as much as possible to get ready for it, following the beat writers, seeing what they're saying about players' usage, how they look in training camp, all that stuff get, gets me ready for it. But um, 
what one of the players in fantasy that I'm looking to buy this year is Joe Mixon on the, the Bengals. And uh, buyer beware, I have been in love with this guy's talent since he came out of Oklahoma. I thought that he was an absolute stud. He can catch the ball. He's a great runner. He was very, very – his running style was very similar to a prime Le'Veon Bell. And he reminds me a lot of a prime Le'Veon Bell with the way he plays. And it just really hasn't happened for him yet because of injuries, a bad offensive line in Cincinnati. But this year, Gio Bernard is gone. And Gio Bernard was a real thorn in his side for a lot of years. And also, I'm very high on the Bengals' offense. Their, their defense is – not looking great this year. They kind of remind me a lot of a, a a Walmart version of the Cowboys, where of last year and even this year, where they're on, they're not on their level offensively, but to a lesser degree, they remind me a lot of them. Where they're they're probably going to be a six seven win team. They're going to be in a lot of shootouts. Joe Burrow is going to keep them in a lot of games. They're going to maybe even have an above average offense this year, and their defense is still struggling. But I think that Mixon's really going to have that workhorse role. They, they're talking him up in the passing game this year. This Bengals offense, more, more points means more touchdowns. Good for Mixon. And their offensive line, although it's still below average, I don't believe that it's one of the bottom five units that they've been the past few years. So, And obviously with the addition of Jamar Chase, you're going to get a lot less eight-man eight boxes. And with their good receiving core, Higgins, Boyd, Chase, Burrow at quarterback. So, yeah, Joe Mixon's been a guy that I've been high on this year and I anticipate myself having a lot of. And probably the guy that I, I would be fading the most would be DeAndre Swift. So a little more negative lion stuff. Really just comes down to the, the play caller, Anthony Lynn. I don't trust him. There, there's a lot of talk with them about, oh, Jamal Williams could possibly – be sharing the load with Swift this year. There's talk about them signing Todd Gurley. They're they're one of those teams that is kind of seems like they're a believer in a, a two back com- committee and one of those teams that isn't really creative in their play calling. They're probably not going to maximize Swift's best best talent, which is his pass catching. They're one of those teams that is going to be probably cherish a lot of. Um, between the tackles, running, grinded out, tough physical football, which is kind of Jamal Williams' calling card. So I would say that, and obviously they're going to be a low-scoring offense, which means not a lot of touchdowns. So DeAndre Swift would be the guy that uh, I'm looking to fade at the at this very moment. Gotcha. And clearly, if you don't handicap all this on your own, you mentioned establish the run, other sources that you read. You've done your homework. And, and with that in mind, is there any simple advice you think you could share with most fantasy managers that they could implement without too much work to put themselves in position to win more? I would say read, 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 listen to podcasts of people that you can trust. A lot of the, doing that will do the work for you. You don't have to individually research statistics and everything. The work's going to be done for you. Just find a network of people that you can trust. Put aside some time during the week each day, and you'll be able to get your information that way. And don't use them as the Bible, but use them as a guideline for for your opinion. And you'll, you'll definitely get smarter doing that. 
Cool. Well, I'd like to take a moment to transition to the NBA for a bit, because while football is the primary sport that we talk about here, I know that you also handicap the NBA at a very high level. So I guess first off, how do you juggle the NBA when it comes to its overlap with the NFL season or at a time like this, it's the NBA playoffs and we're in the offseason for the NFL, but there's still a lot of football prep to do. So what does that balance look like for you when it comes to basketball versus football and the time you put in? So during football, I'm working a, a lot of hours and I just do not have the time to really focus on the NBA at that point. It's honestly, it's just going to take away from my football and football is where my biggest edge is by far. So I will bet some NBA and I will bet any every sport during football, but I'm really only playing off market lines. I'm not originating anything because originating stuff, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort. And I just don't have the time for that during football. So during football, just playing the market, injuries, injury news, playing stuff that hasn't been adjusted yet. And once football does end, I will do more originating with, with the NBA. I don't consider myself close to the originator in the NBA that I do NFL. Do I win at it originating in the NBA? Yes, but my profit margins are really not what I'd like them to be. Where most of my profit is in the NBA, and I do make a decent amount in the NBA, and most of my profit is just playing the market, where the NBA seemingly every single night there's lineup changes, there's injury news, there's load management, and I try to do the best job of reacting to that news before the books and better than the books, knowing the value of a certain player to the spread, knowing the value of a certain player to another player's projected point totals, assist totals, rebounds, and and all that stuff. So one of the best things I think you could do is kind of the top-down approach where you, you see the market move and you try to dissect if that move is correct and try to figure out what your edge is based off of that instead of just originating it because and like I said about NFL is a grind. It's a six month grind and a lot. I, I like to have some time off. I love my job, but I like to have free time and not just be stuck on the computer 12, 12 months a year. So I will get to the points in the NBA season and everything where I'm putting in maybe two, three hours a day of originating. I'm putting in more hours of checking the market and playing some off-market numbers and all that stuff. And then uh, I'm definitely not working as as hard. But th th that would be probably my best uh, strength with the NBA. I like that context, though, because in my recent conversation with the sports cheetah, Preston Johnson, we got to talking about how you know, sometimes you see diminishing returns after a certain number of hours and taking the time, whether, you know, it's um, somebody who's not a pro better, somebody like myself who has a day job to attend to, or if you've got spouse or family needs or just anything else in life, you know, it, it can be helpful to be pretty well-rounded. And I know that there are some people who love the grind and they swear by that. And, and if that works, then more power to you. But something, you know, even somebody at Preston's level mentioned and really resonated with me was that, if you can find your spots to step away for a bit, get away from the screen, get rejuvenated or, or just do anything else that's impactful in life, 
sometimes you come back a little bit revitalized or you might see things a little bit more clearly. So I appreciate the note about, you know, there are times where it might be a few hours a day originating and there is more time that goes into other things betting related, but also understanding that if the NFL is a six month grind, then for those other six months, yes, you're still working, but it doesn't need to be at the same level because that might not be sustainable. And even if you could sustain those hours at a certain point, we might be looking at diminishing returns. Yeah. I mean, I have a girlfriend. I have a, a lot of friends. I have hobbies and during NFL, I don't get to give everything as much time as I would like to because NFL, I love it and it's an absolute grind. And there's a lot of 14, 15 hour days during the NFL season. One of the things I picked up on in the last year was golfing a lot. And during the NBA playoffs and now as it's winding down where I'm not spending that much time at, on the screen, I'm getting out and golfing three, four days a week. And I'm getting it all out now, one, because I enjoy it a lot. But two, I know once football season starts to come around in August, I have to really push to get out once a week. And if I do get out that once a week, I feel guilty as hell, one, while I'm out there because I'm missing a lot of stuff. And two, um, I'm furious, not only because I'm probably hitting some bad shots, but also because... I'm getting text messages. There's stuff going on nonstop during the NFL. I can't even enjoy myself half the time. So it's really important to step away, do stuff, give give time to your significant others or people that are important to you. And I put those six months aside during the NFL to absolutely work my ass off. And you know what? I could probably I could make more money than what I make if I would give the same effort during the six months of NFL, during the 12 months of the year. I would make more money, but – I wouldn't enjoy myself as much. And, you know, money's not everything. It's, it's good to make a good living. And I'm fortunate to do that right now. But that extra little bit of money that I can make, it's not worth my, my happiness and the happiness of people around me. So I'm a big believer in work your ass off, but also have a life as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, when it comes to, you know, the time where you are heads down, getting a lot of work done, one more topic that I'd like to make sure we touch on would be the often polarizing topic in this space, and that would be selling picks. And I think a lot of what you've said, I, I think people can see where there could be value in following your work, you know, whether they're paying or it's free stuff. Even with the NBA, you mentioned looking down the menu, if there's a lineup change, odds are if LeBron's out, that game's going to come off the board pretty quickly. And when it gets reposted, it's probably going to be a sharp line. But how does that affect other player props, things like that? that not everybody will see at face value. So um, this is in, in no way to put a dent into the value that you can provide, but just understanding what a lot of people hear would be that the best bettors often don't need to sell picks because they're making enough on their own. If you're good enough and you decide to sell picks, then you're probably moving the market and that can make it tougher for subscribers to get down. And for people who sell picks that aren't good enough, they're essentially just increasing the break-even percentage for their subscribers by also charging for those picks. So with all that in mind, I also think it's really important not to think in absolutes and to, to try to see the full picture and hear out the other side. I mean, I, I would love to hear your point of view when it comes to buying and selling picks and how that might tie in with your own personal value proposition. Well, what a lot of people say about the pick selling industry is true. It's, it's honestly a scum-filled business. I'm not going to lie about that. And if somebody 
on the street just who didn't know me just blind walked up to me and just randomly said hey uh stranger i, I bought picks from somebody today what, what do you think about that idea i'd say it's a bad decision because there's a 98 percent chance that the person that they're buying picks from doesn't win and th that's the reality of it but if you can differentiate between the 98 percent of bad pick sellers out there and the two percent out there that actually do bet one and they do move the market two and they do win three then it helps you and i have either bought picks or i've been fortunate to start working with a lot of people that do sell picks and they provide value for me as somebody that bets for a living their stuff provides value and it makes me money some of the people the groups that i can just think off the top of my head Right angle sports, if you could get their lines, and it's a it's a commitment to get their lines, but if you can get their lines, you have plus EV opportunities, whether you stick with their bet when they're gonna move the market two points, or you can just you could just play back on their bets and get a two-point middle, and that's a plus EV opportunity right there. So right there, that's worth that's worth uh, investing in if you Put and put enough money down. You could get the lines. Uh, Suma, who you had on, I fortunately I work with him a little bit, and he moves the market instantly when he releases, and he has a sharp opinion. And I'll share some of my stuff with him. He'll share some of his stuff with me, and it, it's it's worth it to the both of us because there might be an angle that I'm not seeing that he's seeing, and it benefits me. And just because he's selling picks doesn't make his opinion any less valuable than if it was a, just a different professional better that I share information with. He's publicly putting out that information, but hey, it might be good information. And I, I do get the what people say when they say, well, you know what, if you really made money betting on betting enough money, then you wouldn't sell picks. And that's true. And honestly, Believe me or not, I hope that people do believe me, but I do make enough money where the pick selling is a very small portion of my income. Trust me, I do not kill it selling picks. And But you know what? One, I enjoy doing it because it's led me to so many opportunities of meeting other people that help me make money in the betting industry, whether it's somebody that says, hey, I like the work that you do. I'd like to maybe... Uh, go partners with you on an account. I've met people networking doing that. I've met other people networking doing this that read my analysis. They see the results. They know that I do a good job. I've met people that will start sharing their information with me and we'll make partnerships that way. And it, the extra money on top of it is just a little boost. So you know what? I, I try to do it right. I try to give widely available lines. I try to give realistic expectations to my customers where I say, listen, I bet 100 things a week in the NFL. I'm only giving you five sides and seven props because I can only give you stuff that's widely available. I'm not going to be able to give people um, Ronald Jones overs when Leonard Fournette gets an injury in practice. And those are some of the best bets you'll make. I'll not be, I'm not able to give that, but of what's widely available, I try to give my best. I tell all my clients, Hey, listen, you need to have a lot of outs to win. If you have two outs, don't even buy my picks because you're not going to be able to get a lot of the stuff that I give out. So make sure that you have some major offshores, some domestic shops, some PPHs. 
And I also try to explain to them, hey, I'm human. I go through bad runs. I've been either posting my picks on forums or selling picks for six years. I've won giving out sides and totals five years. I've had a losing year. I guarantee you that I will have another losing year selling, giving out widely available sides and totals. But I think that if the odds are in my favor, I think with the closing line value that I get, that the odds are in my favor. And I think that a person that does buy it, they will see the value in it. And that's pretty much what you have to do when you're buying picks. You have to be able to see the value in it and be able to, to run for the hills if you if you do buy picks and you see that it's a ton of bullshit. They're not beating the closing line and they're you're not getting great value out of the package. Yeah, I think the transparency was great. They're just letting people know if you don't have enough outs or you know if you're just following any one source blindly and you're not price sensitive, then it's probably a losing proposition. But at the same time, one thing you touched on that I'd love to explore a little bit more deeply as we start to wrap things up would be networking. Um, just, you know, if you're buying into a certain service and it's just opening other doors for you, maybe it's plus EV in that sense, even if the betting alone isn't big plus EV and, and that equation can be different for everybody. And especially in your case, I believe I've heard you say you have about 40 accounts and that must take a ton of teamwork to manage. So to that end, what would be your tips to aspiring betters when it comes to building out a successful network? Yeah, I mean, you know what? Just always, always do right and make sure your reputation is everything. So when you're trying, trying to build a network, whether you reach out to a professional better and you say, hey, like I got this account, I'd like to go 50-50 or, hey, I have good information, just always be honorable, have a good reputation and that, that, that kind of stuff. It helps you out and word gets out that you're a good person to work with. And I've through the pick selling and through Twitter and everything, I've met a lot of people that, you know, one day I could go out and be away from the, the screen for an entire day and I'll have partners that are in front of the screen and they'll be able to text me. Oh, hey, this account has this good line that that account has this good line. Um, and I'll be able to log into my phone, bet stuff and everything and still be able to live a normal life. And the same when they're out doing their thing and I'm in front of the screen, I'd return the same favor for them. We help each other get down on stuff. And it's, it's just about building that relationship. And I've been fortunate to do it. And networking is absolutely everything. If I wasn't able to work with anybody else, I would quit this right now. And, and I wouldn't do it because it is just too much work for one person to do to manage all these accounts, to, to find plus EV betting opportunities. I can't tell you how many countless times some of the best bets I will make is somebody will contact me and say, hey, I found this, this bet on this site. Great bet. And then I, I, retur I return the favor to them. So getting that network is super important. And the best way to be able to do that is show value to a person. If you're reaching out to me, just sh show value to me. Be, be cool. Try to have a good reputation where you don't stiff people. You don't do none of that garbage. And it, it'll help you out because networking is right up there with things like money management as far as the most important things that you could do in the, in the sports betting world.
Yeah. And whether it's networking or money management or some of those foundational principles for succeeding in sports betting in the long run, I know it's a rapidly evolving space when it comes to legalization from state to state, the number of operators, the standard practices that operators are taking now that could be different from what we saw in the past. If we're thinking of somebody listening to this who's, let's say, an aspiring sharp better. So they have at least a few outs. They're price sensitive. They're listening to conversations like this to try to grow as a better, but they're not on the cusp of becoming a pro themselves. What would you say might be one or two things for them to focus on that could really be big opportunities within their grasp at a time like this? Probably one would be what we just talked about, which would be networking, which gets you one, it gets you more accounts and two, it could get people that help do the work for you. Because as I said earlier, this stuff just isn't fun when you're doing it all on your own. It's nice to have a team and everything. And which two, which is kind of following up on networking is what, what doing that is going to do is it's going to get you just having that extra person that can put you in your place and you know what you could run something by. I, I can't tell you how many countless times that I'll have people that I'll reach out to and I'll be thinking one way and then they'll bring up a point to me that I just didn't even consider before and it'll completely, it'll keep me off a game or maybe it'll get me on a game if they're bringing up good points and everything. So I would say for that person that has those five accounts maybe and they're, they're starting to do things the right way and everything, your focus needs to be one on the, the networking to get more accounts. And then two is something we touched on earlier is just figuring out the way to bet. You know, you, you can learn how to win and everything, but learn the way to get down at places to maximize your value and to not run through these accounts so quick. So yeah, that, that would be the, one of the, the big things I would say for that guy. That's just kind of trying to look to break through, which is what I was at one point during my career of doing this. I was that same guy. So it is possible, but just also know, have re be aware of the, the hours that it's going to take and the amount of uh, research and learning that you, you are going to have to do. Yeah, there might be some crossover from how you ended that question to one of the final questions I have for you, which would also be um, keeping in mind the current betting landscape, but looking at through the lens of content. I know you provide a lot of analysis. You, you do a couple of different podcasts and I can make sure to share those so people know where they can find you as we wrap things up, but for people looking to get into the content space, are there any big areas of opportunity that you see? Maybe it's just, you know, zig where others are zagging or, or just something that even if other people are doing it, um, there's just still a lot of value, maybe a lot of meat on that particular bone. For, for someone trying to break through on the content, I mean, it, it's just kind of one of those things that you, you need to one, produce good content and work at it. And if you do that, people are going to recognize you. I mean, I was a nobody when I first started posting stuff years ago on, on forums. I would post my picks. I'd post my analysis. Nobody had any reason to read what I was saying. I was a, a nobody. But because I did good work, a lot of people recognized me. I kept publicizing it. I would be active on social media, or be active on forums. Put, putting my stuff out there, treating other people good, 
reaching out to other people about ways to get better and just, just any little thing I could do. And if, if you keep having that drive and you keep doing it the right way, things will work out for you in the long run. So that's the best piece of advice I could do is just keep work, work your ass off, put good stuff out. And eventually somebody's going to notice you when you're doing that. Awesome. Well, I, I think that's about the best we can wrap up talking all things betting. So the final question, weaving in the other pillar of props and hops, beer is a big part of the show at times. I understand that you're not a big beer drinker, but we could maybe meet halfway. So how would you describe your drink of choice? Any, any type of liquor. Honestly, my I, I love a vodka Red Bull. I love a Jack and Coke. I love, you know, a lot of my friends will, will give me crap about it. But uh, a lot of times I'll go out and I'll, I'll get the girly drinks. I won't, I won't drink beer. I'll get a margarita. I'll get a cosmopolitan. You know what? Everybody will say, oh, you're, you're so soft. You're drinking that. You're drinking the same drink that your girlfriend's drinking. I say to them, you know what? Screw you. I'm just trying to enjoy myself. It tastes better. And so that's that's what I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with a lot of the time. But probably my go-to will be a, a Red Bull and vodka, Jack and Coke. You know, I, I just my stomach's not able to to, to handle the beer. I, I used to be able to, and in, in my college days, but I'm I'm a big softy now. I, I don't get to I don't drink as much as I used to because I make a commitment that during the football season I don't drink on game days, Mondays, Thursdays, Saturdays, Sundays. And if I do have a drink, maybe Friday night, I'll go out, have a few, and I'm tapped out. So I can't help you much on the beer. Call me a wussy. I'm a mixed drink guy, and, and that's it. You know, I really like what you brought up in that answer, though, because, A, it just goes to show that you're secure in knowing what you like, and if other people have certain thoughts, that's okay. I mean, maybe there's going to be – a game any given week of the season you might be pretty hell-bent on one side showing value and somebody else disagrees if, if you're out to drink and somebody says oh that's that's a softy drink to get well if you're enjoying it then that's okay i mean I, I try to stay grounded as much as i can nerd out on the top of the line craft beer the bottom line is if somebody's enjoying what they're drinking it's fine i mean i might want to find the best hazy double ipa or, or barrel aged stout that i can get my hands on but if I'm with my father-in-law, when we can get together, they're back east, uh, not too far from your neck of the woods. Well, I'm out here in California, and it's been more than a year since we've seen them. And the next time we're together, drinking some Natty Light, because that's what he likes to do, I will probably enjoy that more than any fancy beer that I've had over the course of the past year plus. So there's a lot to be said for just knowing what you like and, and picking your spots, finding the right situation, ideally surrounded by the right company. And whatever it is, if you're enjoying it, then it's probably not the wrong thing there you go and you could take that that lesson with uh with beer and alcohol and you could apply it to life do, do what you enjoy and don't let anybody don't let anybody get in your way life's too short to to do everything to try to please others please yourself yeah well said well i'd like to take a moment also to make sure that we plug your work so that people know where they can find you on twitter at hitman428 a couple podcasts that you're regularly featured on, the Dream Preview and the Betting Predators podcast. People can also find you over at pregame.com. Is there anything I'm missing or anything else you'd like to add? 
So yeah, that's pretty much it where, where you could find me. And if you have any questions about, um, about any upcoming packages for the NFL or anything, my DMS are always open. I'm, I'm always willing to answer people. And, and if they have questions about, Hey, you know, I have, I only have one account. Is it worth for me to, to buy your package or I'll shoot you straight and say, you know what, probably not. And then if you say to me, Hey, I have these six accounts. Is it worth it for me? I'll, I'll tell you, yeah, I'll give you the expectations for the year. So yeah, anytime you have any questions about that stuff, feel free to DM me at, at hitman428. And it was a, it was a pleasure being on. Yeah, well, it was a pleasure having this conversation with you. And I guess even if it's not over a beer someday, if we're ever able, lucky enough to get together, watch a game, I don't know, my, my late great grandfather's drink of choice was a Jack Daniels in seven. So I would uh, toast you with one of those and, and yeah, just put some of this great advice you've shared into practice. So thank you so much for taking the time and all the insight you've shared today. Sounds good. Thank you for having me. Goodbye. Thanks again to the Hitman. If you enjoyed our conversation, the number one way you can support Props and Hops is to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. All right, that'll do it for this episode of Props and Hops. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you again next week. And until then, let's bet well, let's drink well, and let's be well. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and thanks to Dimers.com's partnership with DraftKings, new customers who bet $1 on any basketball team can get $100 in free bets if their team wins. Here's how it works in three steps. Step 1. Head to dkng.co slash dimers and create your new DraftKings Sportsbook account. Step 2. Make a deposit of $5 or more and a money line bet of at least $1 on any NBA game for the rest of the playoffs. Step 3. If your team wins, you'll be issued a $100 bonus. So get in on the action at dkng.co slash dimers. You can find a link in the show notes. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That's one 800 426-2537 in Illinois. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, or Michigan. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. Or call or text Tennessee Redline at 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. 21 plus New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Indiana, Iowa, Colorado, Illinois, Tennessee, Michigan, and Virginia only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Minimum $1 wager. One per user. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details.